Ladies and gentlemen, the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass is in effect. I'm Steve Kim. I'm joined by Mario Real Mexican Lopez. Hold on, that. <laughs> Stupid. We'll get into that uh, a little later. Thank you. Also, we've got a uh, smoking Tim Frazier and Tino. Tino on the edits. Okay, the bout sheet for this week's show. We preview Stevenson de los Santos on Thursday night on ESPN, and Crawford gets booted by the IBF, taking mm. a look at UFC 295 and Ask Mario. But before we get started, we just want to let you know this podcast is sponsored by Hustler Casino, located in Gardena, California, just 20 minutes from downtown LA. Check out the latest promo, So Fine Sundays, where they're giving away tons of cash, beat the stadium traffic, and play your favorite games at Hustler Casino. For more info, Go to HustlerCasino.com. Also, shout out to our homies over at Scout Micro LA. They offer a unique and innovative hair loss solution for men. A thing called micropigmentation, SMP. It's state-of-the-art restoration service that replicates the exact shape and size of a hair follicle by tattooing tiny particles of pigment into the scalp, giving the illusion of hair. So if you rock your hair... In a short fashion, you may want to see these guys. You can see results in as little as one treatment. It'll make it look thicker, give the illusion of a, cro- a close crop hairstyle, um, conceal any scars you may have or camouflage burns or what have you, any conditions. They use the highest quality of tools. If you're going bald or just looking for a new look, hit up our friends over at Scout Micro LA. You mentioned this ad for a free consult. If you're getting thin, he'll help fill you in. And with that, we begin with our opening shot of the day. Salute. I'm going straight from the bottle player. Oh, I've had a bit. Oh, look at you go, Kim. <sighs> All right. Thursday night on Ooh, ESPN. That's good. That's good. From Isn't that T- good? Would you stop code switching? Uh, <laughs> Thursday night on ESPN, T-Mobile Arena in Viva, <clears throat> Las Vegas, for the vacant WBC lightweight championship of the world. The superlative Shakur Stevenson takes on Edwin De Los Santos. Mario, look, I get it. Nobody wants to fight Stevenson. He seems to be avoided like the Black Plague. Unless, Edwin, unless you're Williams Isabella. Right. Um, <laughs> but in Edwin De Los Santos, I know it's supposed to be Frank Martin. And looking at this Dominican, he's heavy-handed, he's fluid, and he's southpaw. I actually believe he's more dangerous than Martin. Look, whenever you have a combination um, with the three qualities you just mentioned, you're in for a tough night. I don't care who you are, even if you're as talented as uh, Stevenson, I think this will end up uh, being great for Shakur in his development. He's already pretty sharp, and we think he's one of the most talented kids out there. But you only really get sharp when you're in the ring playing your trade. Got to do it. You got to do it, and you got to get in there. When you get in there with a difficult opponent like this, you may not look great, but at the end of the day, you'll be a better fighter uh, for it. So who knows? He may surprise us in looking great, and that Los Santos might provide some moments to make it exciting and TV-friendly. We'll see. Last September, De Los Santos was brought in as an opponent for Rayo Valenzuela, who was undefeated. He was looking good. Everyone thought he was the B-side. Nobody told him he did not read the script, and he knocked him out in three rounds mm. at what was still called the Staples Center. And look, there is an element of danger here that didn't exist with Frank Martin, who was slick, he was quick, but relatively light-handed. This guy packs a punch, 16-1, 14 knockouts, still very young at age 24. So we're talking about a young, fresh athlete. My question with Stevenson is this. He's now 26 years old. He's 20-0. And this is something that me and you have talked about, Mario, at length throughout the last year or two. 
Can a guy like him ever reach stardom if he's only going to be fighting twice a year with less than 25 fights in his mid-20s? Because if you look at De La Hoya, you look <clears> at Mayweather, you look at Cotto, you look at Pacquiao, those guys at this stage or this age, they all were fighting three times a year. They had more exposure. The short answer, no. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because he's got all the qualities. He's a very talented fighter. Um He's a good-looking kid. He's marketable. And if they kept him busy, then you might raise your awareness level enough to where there'll be a demand to watch him fight. But out of sight, out of mind, you're never going to create any sort of more momentum or any kind of buzz. So I, it's 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 frustrating because he's got everything there. You just He just needs to be able to have the opportunity to keep fighting. I don't know if it's him and the new mentality of this generation of fighters, which we've sort of mm-hmm. texted each other back, and they're sort of happy with that. But I, God, I wish they'd listen to our show because they need to sort of look back at yesteryear's stars and how they got there and kind of at least take the steps to try to at least emulate that sort of career. Because otherwise, then, okay, you can be successful, I guess, but not ever a true star and not ever really wealthy. Look, Shakur Stevenson is making multi-millions of dollars. He is a draw in Newark. He's doing solid television ratings on ESPN. But if he ever wants to be that guy that the likes of Devin Haney and Tank Davis say, okay, you're worth the risk, he's going to have to do more. I have a question, Mario. But let me interrupt you on that note for a second. He, the mindset shouldn't be, I just want Devin Haney or Tank. The mindset should be, build. I want to be the next Canelo. Right, and build. I want to be a pay-per-view star. I want to transcend the sport. You got to shoot for the stars, right? And you got to work on your own brand. Exactly. You're absolutely That's what right. I'm saying. You got to think big. Right. You got and, to be your own entity. And the thing with Stevenson, his talent and his ability is a blessing and a curse. Because I've said it, and I'll say it again, between 130 and 140, in my view, he is the toughest out in boxing. And I've talked to trainers and fighters that have been in the ring I, with them. I agree with you. And they're like, Steve, that guy is like trying to solve a Rubik's Cube blindfolded in the dark. That's how difficult this guy is. There's a Mayweather to him. There's some Pernell Whitaker to him. He's a precocious kid who really thinks he's going to do great things, and he is. But think about this. If he should win on Thursday night, which I believe he will, he's going to be a three-division champion. And he's done some significant things. Right, like unifying the titles against Oscar Valdez. But this is a young man who believes, no, no, I need to be making not seven figures, eight figures. But until you actually resonate with the casual fan, you're never going to really get there. Say what you want about Ryan Garcia because of his marketing ability on social media. He was able to do that. To me, Shakur Stevenson and his management need to march in the top rank and say, okay, we took care of this next year. We want three fights. Let's make it happen. Let's be reasonable. But we want to be a star where I no longer have to call people out. They want to fight me as to what you said. Be that Canelo. You mentioned Mayweather. Mayweather was fortunate enough in his timing. Obviously, he's very talented and a great fighter. But when he fought De La Hoya, same could be said for Pacquiao. De La Hoya made Pacquiao yeah. and Mayweather stars. And what was a big impetus for that? The 24-7 that platform yeah. showcase his personality, the sort of the hip hop swag, all that, that along with the fighting catapulted him. You're not going to get to the point to have a platform like a 24 seven. If you don't become a pay-per-view star, you're not going to be able to become a pay-per-view star mm. unless you start fighting and you're busy and people know who you are. So it all goes back to the beginning. Ryan is a rare case because he's the anomaly. He he's is. an anomaly where he, he is, is a good looking kid. He can fight a little bit and he, he was clever about um, utilizing social media 
to his benefit. And it, look, that's a whole nother skill set, I guess, if you will. And Shakur maybe can take that rope. But at the end of the day, you still have to fight. You still have to yeah. fight. Oh, Mario, <laughs> speaking of Mayweather, you know what his record was when he got the De La Hoya fight in 2007? What was it? 37 and 0. I was going to say, I thought he was close to almost 40 fights. And he was a four division world champion right. and, no, and no worse than number two pound for pound. Most people had him number one. Here's the thing with Stevenson he's 26 years old, he's 20 and 0. So by the time at this current pace he gets to 37 and 0, it's going to be another eight years. Look at that. See? That's, that's, yeah, that's, I guess, that's bad. I'm telling you, I kind of know what I'm talking about here because I go by the past, which will impact your future. Certain things never change. I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but Alex Perhera, who just became, I believe, like the seventh double champ in UFC history, and we're talking these weight classes are far apart. That guy fought... Three times this year mm, already. Uh-huh. Already. Huh. Captured. He's had seven fights in the last two years, Kim. And this is MMA with five minutes rounds. Seven fights in two years. And he's captured this. And he is a star. A bonafide star. And that is a violent sport. Kicking, elbows, punches. Molly. And look at... Exactly. So look at how being busy is able to catapult you into a certain level financially, and as a brand. I'll say it again. Activity is still the greatest marketing tool we have in combat sports. Also on this card, which will be televised on a Thursday night on the Worldwide Leader. Speaking of activity, Emmanuel Navarrete, August 12th, fought Oscar Valdez. You know what he said? Hmm. He said, let me get back out there. And he's fighting Robeson Conte Cal. Pretty solid guy. I love this. I love that. I love me some uh, Navarrete for uh, this day and age. He's he's managed to be pretty busy. He's very busy. He's managed to be very busy. busy. And he's looked good. Yes, and I expect him to be sharp against a solid veteran. Mario, what do you think down the line? Because I know with Stevenson, we're trying to create big money opportunities. Zapeda and Golden Boy said within due time would like to do it. Uh, Raymond Murataya, who looked really good a couple weeks ago. Robert Garcia said, Steve, we'll do it. What about Navarrete and Stevenson? Ooh. I like all those fights. That's an exciting division right there. All those fights are great stylistically on paper. Um, they're just made for entertaining and all action. So yeah, sign me up for all of those. Yes. And I think all those guys would be willing. Yes. They, I think they actually have to be not, I don't think they I don't think they're just blowing smoke. I think they'd actually be willing to get in there. And Stevenson needs to be modern day Roger Mayweather, the Mexican assassin mm. walking with the, the the hat and the zarape. That was great back in the eighties. Uh <laughs> Mario, other news. Terrence Crawford is no longer undisputed because the IBF um, which did not mandate a mandatory for about five years for Errol Spence, and three months said, yeah, 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 you didn't make this mandatory against Jerron Boots Ennis, and now Ennis is our welterweight champion. Mario, as far as I'm concerned, when you win undisputed, until you lose that thing in the ring at that weight class, I don't care what belts you have, you are still undisputed. I agree, but are you supposed to hold it hostage this whole time? Like three what? months, though. Are holding it hostage? No, I'm just I saying, mean, but let's assume another three months go by. What's the, what's the deadline, Kim? This is where Crawford was in a tough spot. There's a mandated rematch. So that other side, and by the way, the PBC has both Ennis and Spence. They knew what they were doing here. Right. Okay, but far as I'm, I have a theory, and I've said this for a while, and I need to write a column on this. Once you get all four belts, I believe you should actually vacate most of them. So, you know, you're not saddled with all these mandatories. Here's the problem. If you want to say, well, I am now undisputed and the lineal and the ring, which can't really enforce any mandatory. Well, you can start fighting Steve Kim 10 times and say, hey, I'm the man, right? That's the problem with the lineal thing Mm. is that the man who beats the man, you got to have a mechanism 
where every champion is forced to fight a tough guy that they otherwise would not. Again, we're going to get into this a little later with UFC because they've managed to do a brilliant job about it. You can't, without any sort of infrastructure where there's clear guidelines with timing. Yes. Then people will take advantage. People are going to take advantage. And why wouldn't they? Right. And you know, it's funny. I talked to Ray Boom Boom Mancini, who's absolutely disgusted by what happens in today's boxing. When he was ranked number one, he beat the number six contender and then he beat Jose Luis Ramirez, who ended up being a real good fighter himself. Mm -hmm. Then they said, "Okay, well, you're number one to Alexis Arguello at age 20. You know what he told me? He said, Steve, to beat the best and be the best, you got to face the best. And he said, Steve, it never entered my mind to wait. And he was popular. He was a CBS yeah, matinee idol, drawing huge crowds uh, in Youngstown, Ohio. And he said, Steve, it would have been shameful for me to turn that fight down. James Tony was number man. one in the IBF. And they said, not only are you going to fight Michael Nunn, who was undefeated and considered one of the slickest boxers in the world. Guess what? You're going to go to his hometown of Davenport, Iowa. That's wild, too. You weren't allowed to be anything but a real man and a soldier back then. Hell of a fight. We should touch on James a little later, too. Oh, oh man. We got to talk about yeah, that I with know. him and Razor Ruddock, your boy. Yeah, anyway, we'll be back uh, after these commercial messages on the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass. More on the three knockdown rule. This podcast is sponsored by Hustler Casino, located in Gardena, California, just 20 minutes from downtown L.A. Check out the latest promo, So Fine Sundays, where they are giving away tons of cash, beat the stadium traffic, and play your favorite games at Hustler Casino. For more info, go to HustlerCasino.com. Shout out to our boy Oscar Lopez, no relation, from Scalp Micro LA. His company offers a unique and very innovative hair loss solution for men. They specialize in a pigmentation known as SMP. Basically, it replicates the exact shape and size of hair follicles by tattooing little particles of pigment into the scalp, giving the illusion of hair. Don't trip. It's actually very realistic. You can see the results in as little as one treatment. They create and restore hairlines, give the appearance of density to thinning hair. So if it's starting to go, it'll look a little thicker. If you're going bald or you're just looking for a new uh, look this summer, check out our homies over at Scout Micro LA and mention this ad for a free consult. And we're back on the three knockdown rule. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to get involved with the three knockdown rule and sponsor our fine program, we still have some slots available. Please reach out to us by emailing info at boxbid.io. Once again, that's info at boxbid.io. Boxbid.io is an online platform that is launching soon that helps public figures and professionals in the world of boxing get sponsorships. We are proudly working with boxbid.io. All right, moving forward, fight preview real quickly on Saturday on The Zone from the YouTube Theater in L.A. Local product Diego Pacheco with a homecoming against Marcelo Cosetas. Also, uh, news and notes here. Mario, I, I, get, I get it. The PBC is kind of going through some difficult times. They're in a transition. But here's a fight that is straight out of the hot tub time machine. And I thought it was a joke when I first saw it on Twitter. Did you know that Robert Guerrero and Andre Berto are going to be having a rematch on the Benavides Andre card on November 25th? Bro, <laughs> I mean, I happen to know both Robert and Andre. Nice guys, nice guys, really cool guys. But, but my man, if, if this was if this was eight years ago, okay, maybe. But why? No one's asking for this. 
And is, is it is it something where they need to fulfill their obligations, PBC? I don't. Oh gosh! And sometimes when you got two fighters that are a little a little long in the tooth, they do put on a good show. But I just don't see anyone asking for this. And at this point, why don't we get Brandon Rios and Victor Ortiz? Oh yes, the Garden City Grudge I would match. Still see that? You know what? You know you make that a double header. I might I might call that up. one. I, but we never see that. I would still see that. <laughs> but like what that? And I know you don't want to talk about it, but. What's the difference between that and James, Tony, and Razor Ruddock who fought this past weekend? James still got those fast hands, by the way. I still but, wouldn't tangle with them, but I still wouldn't okay, tangle you know with what the difference was, is? Even then, 20 years. Those guys are in their mid to late 50s. It's, I mean, look, as, hey, as 50s much... 50s are annoying. We're in that level yeah, right there. Yeah, I agree, but we're not, we're, not, we're not tangling without headgear and 10-ounce gloves Dude, either. Dude, I know. It's like, what's going on? We're going backwards here as, uh, as a sport and as a society. Here's the <laughs> issue... Um, one thing I, I remember watching Guerrero Berto one, it was in Ontario, and yeah. I didn't go to that fight because I remember Notre Dame was playing USC, I think on a Thanksgiving weekend, and I wanted to watch that game because Notre Dame was undefeated and they're making that march to the national title game. And it dawned on me, Mario, this mm. is how time flies as you get older. That was 11 years ago. Bro, that's a long time ago. And in boxing, it might as well be 50. That's crazy. I, I was just like, wow. It, it is true, though, Mario. When you get older... Time is very relative. It is. When you were 15, you said, man, I'm not going to be 26 for a thousand years. Now, all of a sudden, from 40 to 50, I I sometimes like, wow, wait a minute. That was 11, 12 years ago. When someone says 20 years ago, I said, oh, like 1990? Yeah. Right. Don't you think like, like, uh, (laughs) that's like 30. Bro. That's 33 now. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I have no sense of time anymore. Yeah. um, So, again, Guerrero Berto, I I guess it could be fun, but here's the problem. Does the winner fight on? I don't know. I don't well, know. what's the end game here? What's what's the long game here? I, I like I said, I, maybe they're fulfilling obligations to them contractually. PBC. I'm assuming. I don't know. It's just I. Wow. They're, maybe <laughs> yeah. they're banking on name recognition. I, I I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I, I, I don't know what to say to that. And Mario, some news off out of the ring. Last week, heavyweight Jared Anderson. We've talked a lot about some of his. I don't say issues, but his dilemma about the sport of boxing, wanting to get out. He was arrested for driving under the influence and possession of a firearm. Hmm. Is it time to be worried about him? Because I am. I'm not going to lie to you. There's a lot of things. It's never a good look. And at this point, if you get a DUI because of Uber and all these other ride shares that are available, like, what's wrong with you, man? You're putting other people in danger and stuff. And that's just, it's so... I never, you know me, I don't even drive anymore if I'm going to have one drink. It's just so easy to Uber. Right. Why even mess with it? Had he done that, none of this would have ever happened. But the, I, there's just so many things. So it goes into your decision making. Right. So well, clearly he he's going through some stuff and I'm not going to play psychologist, but I think you're right. I don't know if he's got the mental makeup to continue down this path towards a championship. Like a Keyshawn Davis, talented young lightweight, who everyone thought was the crown jewel of our last Olympic yeah. team. Top rank signed him to this highly highly lucrative deal he gets his last fight which was a win expunged because he tests positive for marijuana mm. you know what i found more alarming that he's on twitter saying well marijuana is legal in a lot of things and that this is not right and i'm gonna i'm like wait a minute hold on that's not the right approach you just need to say i need the sacrifice this is my career this is the rules whether you like it or not you got to play by it that's exactly it and so sometimes what happens how you behave outside the ring will tell you what's going to happen inside of it 
And with Jared Anderson, who I believe is the best pure American heavyweight prospect since Riddick Bowe, but the fact that he's already saying, well, you know, my brother's coming out. I want to be done in a couple of years. I don't really like boxing. Uh. And now this, it's not just one thing. It's everything that concerns me. You know, when I see someone draft, not to segue into another sport, but a quarterback who's the most important position on the field, right? When you're yes. playing football. And you start making decisions like when Jimmy G started taking that porn star to very public restaurants. Well, she was videos. a nice girl, though. Yeah, okay. Nice working adult film star. Yeah. That just like, do what you got to do. I'm not one to say anything about that. No. But player, that's a Netflix and chill night. Right. You don't take her to a place where you know paparazzi is and you're putting yourself in that position. Right there, I thought, this guy doesn't make good decisions. Right. He's not able to make good decisions there. That's going to translate to the field. Same as a fighter. If you're not able to make good decisions like knowing you're not supposed to be drinking and driving much less have a, um, a concealed weapon in the car. I, I don't, how can I trust you in the ring? As a manager, as a promoter, all of the above. And you're telling everyone, I don't really like boxing. And there's that. <laughs> exactly. And that, that, to me, I hate to be cold about it, is more concerning. Because let's face it, fighters have been skirting with the law for a long time. Someone pointed this out to me in boxing. Steve, you think he's the first guy with issues? And I said, you know what? Point taken. But here's the thing. Those other guys really love boxing. Right. They, they love passion. to fight. They right. They're passionate about So it's a little bit different. Exactly. All right, They're moving Johnny on. Tapia. Right. Loved to fight. My guy got in trouble all the time, but he loved to fight. And he could fight. Yes. Uh, moving on to the Ask Mario segment of this program. Andy's random edits. Here's a random <laughs> question. What is your favorite color? What? Yeah. <laughs> what are you, five years old? Yeah. <laughs> What's my favorite color? Yeah. Depends on what? Clothes? Cars? Just to look at? Um, clothes, black. Cars, mm. black. Can't go back. To Can't look at? Back, Johnny Cash. I like a nice turquoise water. <laughs> okay. Reminds me of a I would say green and orange. Even now. Yeah. Oh, oh. God. Anyway, it's Ryan. these colors ever. You shut up. Ryan Longer. Anything surprise you about the Rocky franchise or Sly himself during your interview with Frank? Well, uh, there was a couple things I learned, right? I was not aware that Ken Norton was the original choice. Um, and the fact that the director, John Appleton, didn't like the script, which I, I, I'm coming clean. I'm coming around Rocky too. It's, it's, it's a little, some of the scenes I've seen, I said, you know what? It has a little more depth to it than I want to give it credit for. The other ones were just like fun music videos. Right. But uh, the fact that he didn't, he didn't want to be involved in Rocky or Rocky, pardon me, Stallone took it upon himself to, to write and direct. So a couple things, but for the most part, I knew uh, a lot of, uh, did you also know that Stallone himself still has those turtles cuff and link? Does he really? He still has, can you believe those turtles are still alive since 1976? Jeez, it, turtles Turtle. live forever. Yes. You know, I got that one in the Galapagos Island yeah. that's like 168 years old. Been around since Civil War. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he was kicking it with Abe. Um, Friday night, I was flipping around, and one of the HBOs was showing the original Rocky. In my Masterpiece. view, um, they perfected, I don't know if they invented it, but the sports highlight montage I don't know if anyone did it before, but I don't think anyone's done it better. And he kept taking it next level every movie. Hey, Rocky Four, they just went to one montage, cut to another exactly. one. Exactly. Three, four, they were the best. That was the best. That was like peak MTV. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and look, the greatest impact that Rocky had on boxing, in my view, is that fighters like Vinny Pazienza and many others have said, when I saw that movie, I wanted to be a boxer. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think... When people say should Frank uh, should Sylvester Stallone be in the Hall of Fame? If you're talking about impact, a positive influence on the game, 
I would say absolutely. He oh, created sure. an iconic character that was first created or brought out to the public in 1976. And when Rocky comes on, I guarantee you there's still people younger than us that probably watch it every single time it comes on the cable. One of the greatest satellite. ever. One of the greatest ever. Here's one from Four Corners Boxing. What do you think about Dana White discussing bringing on more boxing to UFC Fight Pass and trying to pace events quicker and more 50-50 matchups? Will there be a lot of promoters willing to jump in with him? Hmm. L- let me talk a little about Dana for a second. And look, yes, I, I know Dana and he's a friend of mine. Happy and proud to call him that. But this isn't hyperbole when I say I think he's the greatest commissioner of any sports league ever. So you think he's a commissioner? Interesting. He understands that the UFC brand is bigger than any single fighter. And his only goal is to have the best fighters fight the best fighters and let the chips fall where they may. No politics, no corrupt bullshit. Every event is must-see. Every card is stacked. Dude is next level and delivers. This past weekend, every single fight ended in a knockout, and they were all sort of pick-em fights. World-class, elite, top fighters, and it was awesome. This year is going down as, and I've been watching for decades now, has to go down as one of the greatest years, not the greatest year in MMA history. And it's it's all Dana and what he's put together. And he just announced that he's going to hold the first fight ever at the Sphere Uh-oh. in Vegas. I went to the opening when you two performed. Yeah. It words don't do it justice. It's like you're in, enveloped in this screen that's just incredible. And the sound, can you imagine? You get an octagon in there, and the images and the fights are all around you. With the, it's going to be so wild. You're going to have to come, Kim. It's going to be so crazy. And I love that. He found out Mexicans are profitable, and he said, "Fuck it, I'm all in." No, is he <laughs> going he's, on he's the Mexican dates? Independence Day? Oh, Listen, I, he's going to stack that card so much. Unless Canelo fights Benavidez, and they stack that card with Tiafimo and Ryan, and unless it's that, I'm telling you, the UFC will own that night and the weekends moving forward. All these boxing fans who are now butthurt over Dana planting that flag. My view is this: Wait a minute. Uh, no pressure on boxing to actually raise their level. No pressure on the promoters to put on better cards. No pressure on everyone involved to say, okay, if the UFC is doing that, let's put our best. Instead of all this whining, like you don't get a monopoly on the fight combat realm in the U.S. Okay, because mm-hmm. first of all, the boxing product in not, I don't want to say it's gotten stale, but it did get complacent. The one thing that Dana also said during this press conference that I heard I love the fact he says, look, when we do our events, we're not doing 35-minute interludes. We don't need a Super Bowl halftime show in between every fight. It drags on. It's an insult to the public. You're making people wait. And boxing consistently says, yeah, our best events, we're going to show them around midnight or 1 o'clock. What no. type of plan is that? You've been in my house when we watch the fights. They move like this, and it's a party. We actually timed it one time. I had I invited you this past week, and you should have came. We had a great time, and a lot of food and drinks, and it flew by in bed at a decent hour. The fights were uh, outstanding. History was made that night. I was like, wow, bravo. It was, it, was, it was great. It was great, and I was thinking, man, if only boxing. If only possible. The other thing is, and again, I do know that Dana plays a different role than, let's say, a Bob Arum, Frank Warren, Eddie Hearn, Al Heyman. But I love the fact that he's, and look, and I'm sure UFC also has earners that they're like, wow, we kind of need to keep this guy winning. But in boxing, it is a game of avoidance 
and taking the path of least resistance. Not in um, MMA. Yeah. In UFC, next man up, whoever's the number one contender. That's it. That's it. We would have gotten Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford every week. Yeah, that's and- what I'm trying to tell you. So if there is any sort of indication or influence that he can have on the sport of boxing and he starts off as an incubator with UFC Fight Pass, more power to him. And by the way, going back to that Crawford Boots Ennis uh, discussion, I said this in the summer and I'll say it again. When it came to Boots Ennis, Virgil Ortiz and Amontastanionis, three very good young welterweights. I know that they were held up by the Crawford Spence snafu. I get it. But here's the reality and here's a fact. They all reached number one right around last year, 2022 or before. None of them actually said like a Ray Mancini or James Tony. I'm mandatory. Yeah, enforce it. Get that fight. None of this. Well, he's kind of tough. And he, no, 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 no. Are you a fighter or are you playing dodgeball? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and the bottom line is the UFC, for better or worse, actually says, do you want the fight or not? That's yes it. or no? That's you it. don't? Next. That's it. We're not placating you. Exactly. And so. It's all, like the NFL. I think he looks at it like the NFL. What, you? Oh, we don't want to play the Chiefs. Right. They're too oh, tough. Oh, well, if they make they this. A, yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to play them no matter what. <laughs> Here's a question from Canada Chris. If the huge December 23rd card in Saudi Arabia comes off as planned, will it be the best lineup of top fighters on the same card since Don King's Revenge the Rematches shows in the 1990s? Now, Mario, here's what's going on. December 23rd was originally the date for Tyson Fury against Alexander Usyk before Mm -hmm. Tyson Fury went Tyson Fury. Mm. Looks like that fight's going to happen now February 17th from what I'm being told. But it looks like they're trying to put together a card where a Deontay Wilder would fight a Joseph Parker, an Anthony Joshua might fight an Otto Wallin, and even a Dimitri Bivol is rumored to be on that card. Great card. That's um, UFC-esque. Yeah, kind ish. of. Look, um, well, ish, ish, ish in terms of big names. In terms of stacking names and not it, it, that's actual what I'm saying. In fights, turns, yes. Yeah, it's solid. And look, Bivol's got to fight. Dude. I hope they don't blow this. I have never seen a fighter of the year from the previous year who was not injured the very next year not fight at all. As I like to call him, he's the 2023 non-fighter of the year. It's ridiculous. He gambled on himself and it didn't pay off. (sighs) Okay. Here's one from Matty Rolls. What do you believe would be the best outcome from both promoters and boxers in their search for a new streamer to showcase fights? Is there enough money? To put all promoters and their boxers under one streamer to take away roadblocks. Well, the streamers are starting to consolidate. Disney Plus just consolidated and merged with Hulu, which is a good sign. And there's rumors that HBO might with, I can't remember the other streamer right now, but they once we start having more mergers and they start consolidating, I think that's going to provide more opportunity there's going to be deeper pockets and live content is still king. So I, I feel pretty confident that it will uh, end up. Amazon tried to dip their toe for a second and then something had happened. But I think they might try to revisit that. Mario, I don't think we need everyone to be under one umbrella. I think the system works with multiple promoters who have different needs and wants and their fighters. And certain fighters will be better or bigger priorities with certain promoters than ever. When you say everyone, who do you mean by? Well, I'm just talking about every single promoter has to be under one. Oh, no, no, right, right. I don't don't agree with that. I don't even think every fighter should be under one promoter. You know why? You will suppress wages to a point. The fighters will be under such uh, pressure. Look, I don't mind the fighters getting paid what they're worth. 
I also don't think that they should be in a system where it's just take it or leave it. That there's, there has to be a middle ground. Well, there is the, that's the negative controversy. Right. Then, right. So when people yes. say we only need one promoter, tell that to a fighter. That mm-hmm. doesn't work out well for the for actual labor. Now, what I believe needs to happen is we got to have a system where promoters are willing to work with one another consistently when the time is right. Like, think about it. Stevenson has been built up very well by top rank. Zapata has been very well, well built up by Golden Boy. They've had parallel arcs, and when a time comes, let's intersect and make a god dog fight. It's not, you don't need to reinvent the wheel well, here. Well, they seem to have been um, pretty copacetic with this last fight that they did. With uh, Santillan and uh, Rocha. And Rocha. Right. We that, need more of that. That's what I'm saying. They need the, more of that. So the system is not broken. The system is just not adhered to. Mm-hmm. When you had, back in the good old days, right? Um, and God, this is like 25 years ago now. Guess what? When it came. You were like 35 going. 35, yeah. But when it came to fights like Lennox Lewis, Holyfield, guess what? Co-promotions. Main events, Don King. Trinidad, De La Hoya. Top rank, Don King. There, That's there was, why Oscar said there was never a uh, part two, though. Right. Because, okay. Because it became of, very personal. It became, well, the conflict between King and Aram, too, so... That's the thing, too, is that ego's got to be put aside. Yes. There's enough ma- money to be made all the way around. You don't necessarily have to take lead all the time. You know how back far that was? I was at some radio station. 1999. 11.50. So spring of 2020. Everyone was still talking about De La Hoya, Trinidad, too. We need to have that. So at the news desk at the radio station I'm at, there was a thing called a fax machine, kids. And the fax, I saw the Don King logo. I still have one. I do. So and I'm like, well, Don King. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they announced Felix Trinidad is ditching his belts at 47. He's moving up to 54 to fight David Reed in March. And it was a stunner. And it, there's no doubt it was very personal. I still remember Don King at the post-fight press conference, September 18th of 1999. Oh, oh run a coyote and lonesome Bob. <laughs> and I knew, I kind of knew like, ooh, they're not going to make the rematch. You had that feeling that Bob and Don, it was really more about How much them. money do you think Trinidad left on the table not doing that rematch? I would say at least five to ten because the Reed fight was on a Friday See, I night would say 10 and it did. And it did I actually, yeah, because the maybe. first one it did well, first one. So yeah, I'd be pissed if I was Trinidad. Yeah, because, <laughs> but but again, Trinidad went on this unbelievable run. No, he did, yeah. but I still like an extra yeah. fifteen million. You're right, but again, <laughs> could Trinidad have made forty-seven again though? That's true. That's, and what Oscar made and well, gone up to fifty-four. I don't think so. Right at that point. Right, because then he faced Shane Mosley, and that kind of backfired on him because he lost. Right, but that was a damn good fight. Damn good fight. By the way, first fight at Staples Center. I remember that. In between games five and six of the NBA Finals, the first year that that venue opened. God, we're old. Oh, my God. And then he got popped for steroids, remember? That was for the rematch, though. The rematch. Rematch. Uh, Mario, I got to have to ask you something. Hmm. Are you a real Mexican? So stupid. (laughs) Dude, (laughs) this is such a trip because last week, everybody... Was hitting me up saying, "Hey, why are you training on Twitter? Why are you trying to? Oh my God, what? What'd you do now? What I do? Yeah. Or like, did something catch up with me from like twenty years ago or something? God forbid. What are you saying? <laughs> and I looked, and apparently, uh, people were tripping that I was Mexican, or they didn't think I was like a down, like like a real Mexican. I was like, what? And it all stemmed from these food videos, reviews that I started to do. Places we've gone to. Bigaton. Exactly. Marisco's Bigaton. That, by the way, we go to a lot with you never posting anything. Exactly. Let's be honest. No, I'm, we do. We look. I mean, I love the food. I love to eat. You know, I'm really a fat kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I start posting these videos and I'm hanging out with my homies. 
you know, you, you you talk a little more like you when you're hanging out in the, in the neighborhood. You throw a couple foos or homes or, ah, you know, a little Spanglish, this and that. And people are like, oh, he's code switching, code switching. I'm like, huh? Evidently, that's a term where you have to kind of clean it up to be accepted. And I thought you just had to be a little bit more professional because I said I can't be dropping um, okay, words so acting like that those, when no, I'm no. hosting Access Hollywood or on my this radio show. This is what those show. guys want. Orale Homes on Access Hollywood. We've got Tom Cruise. The, the bomb bomb ass movie homes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that what they want? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, Those look, tortas in a bucket. I mean, give me a break. I mean, bro. So you you gotta like polish it up, clean it up, and when you're in a professional setting, you're gonna be a different individual in a work environment than you are around your homies. That's just that's just life. And so I don't know why people were tripping on that. And I also think though social media has allowed people, myself included, to kind of take a peek behind the curtain and show the real you because prior to that they only saw what was on television they didn't get to hear us like in this sort of format or they didn't get to hear us when we're just kind of hanging out with friends but the whole thing was trippy the whole thing was trippy and then it just started to trend and then people were doing videos about my videos i was like damn i'm just tripping out but i got i got a big kick out of it but i thought it was uh i thought it was funny man as someone who spends when i'm not traveling which i am this week about four to five days um, in Montebello, which is the Bel Air of East LA. Let's, okay, ask Oscar about that. I know, fool, you've been yeah. talking about that for a long time. And it's about 80% Mexican, Mexican American. Here's the funniest thing I have not actually seen a Vato or an essay in about 20 years. Maybe because it's, it's the Bel Air of East LA. Right, you kick it in a Bel Air, you ain't going to be seeing that. Right. So here's the thing they all dress normal. Of course. Um, when I walk into a place, like I'm going to go to Fruit Revolution, my spot. That's your spot. You love that spot. Dude, they better be hooking you up because you give them a lot of love. But I know where you're going with this. Am I supposed to roll up with like a sarape yeah. and sombrero? Like, what's up? Orale ese. You know what I'm saying? Give me the mango madness. It's so oh. funny, man. Um, and so you know what's funny? They all kind of dress, guess what? As regular people. <laughs> they all speak really good English. Sure. That's the funniest thing. So are they all code switching in Montebello, the 90640? People are, people are um, silly, bro. I, it's, it's the funniest thing. Maybe it was, is it because the Raiders moved? Is it that influence? <laughs> I, I don't understand this whole notion. So let's say you wore a bandana and sh- cut off khakis and your socks high, which you kind of do anyway, by the way. Um, <laughs> Mine's right? a bandana. And, and, Nike, and, and Nike Cortez. <laughs> right. Okay. And let's say you lived up to every negative stereotype that certain people may have of Mexicans. So then are you on code? Is, is that what they're saying is what they expect? It's a very ignorant take, to be honest. Because I went to Montebello High School. Yeah. Okay. Now, again, that's the Harvard of East LA. Only the finest students go there. <laughs> okay. I would say that at least half of our students went to a four-year college, unlike Bell Gardens or El Rancho. It's a little bit different. So I have a question. Were they code switching? Were they were they living down to the American dream or were they selling out? I have a question. I mean, I'm seriously. It's exactly right. I, it's just like I, I don't get it because I'm around Mexicans a lot on a I'm daily Mexican. basis. Mex orale. I'm code switching now. So I, I, I don't understand this. I mean, it's silly. It's it's silly is all it is. And look. At the end of the day, you need to carry yourself like a professional in a professional in setting. In any setting. When you, if you want to try to, like I said, I'm trying to cash these checks. I'm trying to like keep a job here and put, right. I got a family feed. Man, I'm 50 years old. I'm not trying to play any games. I'm who I am. It's just now you're getting to kind of see it because of social and all that. So I can imagine you know. the next time a supervisor at work or his man, hey, Mario, are you available? Because we need to, we need to change your schedule. You just react. Ching got the mother. Damn. Or something like that. I mean, I mean just seriously. Oh, by the way, I want to give you this. It's been in my car for a while. I keep forgetting it. And my, 
my fourth cousin, not really. Sean Nam wrote this book. It's called Murder on Federal Street about Tyrone Everett. Ooh. Slick black boxer out of Philadelphia. Ooh, there you go. Nice. Thank and you. He was involved gifts. in a fight that the late, great Harold Letterman, great friend of ours, said was the worst decision ever against Alfredo Escalera. And it's about living in Philly in the 70s. What this. was it like to be a boxer? And he ended up getting murdered. They oh, don't wow. know by who. There's some gang violence involved. Dang. But the thing that I really took away from this is guys like him back then, they had to fight a lot to make a living. Yeah. And then they had to take sometimes big money, small money, any money. And he always got into it with this promoter that watches our show, Russell Peltz. If you're out there, we love you, Mr. Speck. And he would tell you, he goes, you know, Steve, I had the most rocky relationship with Tyrone Everett. Because I liked him, but we hated each other. Huh. So anytime you're on a plane, you could yeah. read that. Thanks a lot, Kim, sir. Yeah, there's no references to Contine Floss. I don't know if you're code switching there or anything Stupid. like that. Oh, All right, anyway, uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. We'd like to thank everyone that made this show possible. And again, if you want to sponsor our fine program, you can go info at boxbid.io. So on behalf of Mario Lopez, Smoking Tim Frazier, and Tino, Tino on the edit, this has been the Three Knockdown Rule on UFC Fight Pass. Mm-hmm.